Bibles to Psalm 139. We're going to read that in just a few moments, 139, verses 1 through 6. And then also, if you turn to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, we're going to also look up um, that verse as well, and we'll read that a little bit after we read the first six verses of Psalm 139. But uh, we won't do that quite yet, so just have your fingers in the passages ready to go. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, you know us. You discern what is going on in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds right now. And we pray that with your word, you would penetrate into our hearts, that you would open us up before you. And tell us who you are. And tell us what you want us to be. Through your word. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, beloved, in Christ, when asked what, in his opinion, is the single greatest spiritual need in the world today, the late R.C. Sproul Sr., Calvinist philosopher, theologian, writer, answered, The greatest need in people's lives is today to discover the true identity of God. And I'm sure we would agree with that if everyone would just be followers of God and know him, of of the Lord Jesus Christ, like we are here, this world would be transformed overnight. But then someone asked Sproul a follow-up question, what in your opinion is the single greatest spiritual need in the lives of church people? People like us, people like many of us, and with no hesitation, Sproul shot back the answer, church people need to discover the true identity of God. Same answer, both ways. He said if believers really understood the character and personality and nature of God, it would revolutionize their lives. And what again was Sproul saying? The single greatest need for anyone. Believer or someone who doesn't know Christ as friend and Savior. Either one. Those are the two great categories, of course, of human beings, according to Sproul himself. Those with faith in Christ, those without the single greatest need for either one is to discover the true identity of God. Sproul was convinced knowing God more and more could transform, completely revolutionize our lives. Westminster Shorter Catechism says it a little differently, amounts to the same thing. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And how do you enjoy someone forever? You come to know more and more and more and more and more about them. For when it comes to God, there is always more to know. And what you find out about God is that in all those things, he is perfect. He is perfectly enjoyable. The more you know him, who he is, what he's done, his nature, personality, character, the more you enjoy him. And this knowing, according to Sproul, transforms us, revolutionizes us. When you hear those words, I hope you do, as I did, take it as a challenge. 
to know God more. Because wouldn't it be incredible to have a revolution in all of our lives, in the life of each believer of Faith Community Church, in the life of Faith Community Church as a whole, a revolution simply by coming to discover the identity, the personality, the character, the nature of God. And so I want to do that and help us all to do that, to discover who God is in our lives, the things we will discover in this sermon series entitled Our God begins tonight, are things we have probably heard before many times. They are things that have been spoken about for centuries. They are things we find in places like uh, Scripture, of course, but also the places like the Heidelberg Catechism and Belgic Confession. They are the things we need to know, we need to have, we need to carry with us as we walk the face of this earth. And so I hope you will join me in this quest of coming to know God. Will you, in the weeks of the sermon series, will you be open to a revolution, a complete overhaul in your life? accomplished by the knowledge of the Word of God. Will you join me? I hope and pray that this series will prove to be for us a word from God each week that in the end will be a complete overhaul of our lives in relationship to God. And so each week I urge you to ask questions. How has this message changed me, challenged me? How do the truths that I heard in each message affect the way I live my daily life? I truly believe the Word of God will transform us, revolutionize us through this series. So are you with me? Are you ready to be changed by knowing God more? Answer that question right now in your hearts. Are you ready for a complete overhaul in your life? Answer in your hearts, yes or no? I hope your answer is yes. So as we begin now, Psalm 139, first six verses, we'll read there. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word's on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in, behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. In a few moments, we'll jump to Hebrews 4.13. In the first sermon of this series, having read and heard what we just heard, from God's word. What do we come to know about the identity of God? We come to know that God, first of all, our God knows all. Our God knows all. The classical way to say that is that our God is omniscient, omniscient, omniscience, omni-knowing. That's what the word science means, knowing. So we say God is our all or omni knowing. He knows everything. He knows all. Hebrews 4.13, if you have your Bibles open, reads, nothing, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before God. Our God knows all. Knows all. 
Nothing confuses him like we get confused sometimes. Nothing confounds him like we are confounded sometimes. Nothing leaves him scratching his head like we scratch ours sometimes. He knows everything. He knows how things work. He knows what has happened. He knows what is happening at this very moment everywhere. And he knows what will happen. Everything has his undivided attention at all times, not least of all, people, you and me, and the neighbor down the street. And did you know you can look this up for every state in the union, the number of missing persons for Michigan? Right now it stands at 556 people missing in 2022. God knows where they are. Even when no one else can find them, God has his undivided attention. Undivided attention is on all of us. O Lord, says David, you have searched me and you know me. From the mundane things we read, like sitting and rising, to the most complex thoughts juggling around in our heads. He knows us. His eyes are trained on us, laser locked on us, and God never blinks or loses sight of us. Years ago, my son Grant and I rode the uh, L train in downtown Chicago. It's not the letter L, and it doesn't stand for El Shaddai or something biblical like that. This is Chicago after all. The L stands for elevated, the elevated train in Chicago, named such because many times it runs along tracks that are 20 or 30 feet above you or so, but not always. Sometimes, in fact, it becomes a subway, and it goes down into the ground through tunnels deep in the earth, and while doing so, there are times if you're in a train car with lights that malfunction, which is not uncommon on a train in a big city, there are times when it is pitch black in the train as you are barreling along through the tunnel. You're in the dark. You're buried under the earth. But guess who still sees you, even when no one else can? God. God has his eyes trained on you. He's familiar with all your ways. You're going out. You're lying down. He knows our words. Did you hear that in the, in the psalm? Every single word that comes out of our mouths, that is muttered under our breath, and that is shouted at the top of our lungs. He knows them. He hears them. He sees them. The psalmist says, you hem me in behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me, which is another way of saying he protects me. We're in the cradle of his hand. He knows every one of our needs when we're hungry, when we're thirsty, lonely, depressed, desperate, angry, confused. He knows. To such an extent he knows us that the psalm writer King David, one of the greatest poets who ever lived, and one of the greatest and most victorious conquerors who ever lived, as one pastor eloquently puts it, he lays down his pen, takes off his shoes, and stands humbly on holy ground, admitting defeat. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. 
That's how intimately God knows me. You and I matter to God that much. Do you need to be told that today, friends? Doesn't that truth have a way of transforming you? Doesn't it thrill you, exhilarate you to know that you matter that much to God? That he is sovereignly scrutinizing everything about you, knowing you that deeply. Doesn't that bring you to your knees in worship? It did for Psalmist David. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me that God knows me, that I matter to him. So now let's, let's break that down a little bit. What does God know? We're about to commune with him at the Lord's Supper next Sunday morning, right? And we've got to know as we do that, that God has searched us and knows us better than we know ourselves. Later in Psalm 139, the psalmist says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. If we matter this much to God, what are the things he knows about us besides everything, besides our very selves? What are the things he knows specifically that we can reflect on as to what he knows about us in the week ahead? Number one, specifically, God knows our secrets doesn't he? Knows our secrets. What do you think about that? What do you think about having a God who knows your secrets? No one knows your secrets, right? No one's supposed to know them. That's why we call them secrets. Because we keep others from knowing what we know, what we think, what we say, what we do. We have our secrets and no one but no one knows them. Oh, yeah? That's what you think. God knows our secrets. As they say in the political world, there are skeletons in our closet. They are the things we don't want anybody to know about. So right at the beginning, we say, wait a minute. There is one who knows. And that is God. He knows. Now think about that. There are things in our lives, surely, that we don't want anyone to know about it. Things that our wives or our husbands or our children or our parents or other people would never want us to be involved in. And we keep the secret from them. And the guilt is overwhelming us sometimes. And we carry it around. Every day we live the lie and the burden grows and grows. We know it's against what God wants. We know it's against the teaching of the word of God. And up until this moment, you may be the only person on the face of the earth who knows about the sin and the guilt you're carrying around. You worry about being found out. Well, there's some good news here in the middle of this bad news about sin. You don't have to worry anymore. You don't have to worry that God might find out because he knows. He already knows. And he has done something incredible for you despite what he knows about you. So at this moment, from this point on, don't bother anymore living the lie, keeping the secret, or acting as if no one knows. It's all over from this moment on. God knows. The jig is up. He knows. It's transforming, isn't it? 
Because guess what? The only thing God wants you to do is to stop the great sin cover-up in your life, is to step out of that slavery and come clean and change your ways. God says, you're living in guilt and sin. I want to free you from that guilt and put you on the path of righteousness. Just come to me and confess. I will not condemn. I will forgive you. Because of the incredible thing I have done for you, I gave you Jesus, my son, who paid for all those sins. Yes, even the secret ones that you've had such a hard time letting go of. Jesus took the punishment that was headed your way for those sins. He paid for them at the cross. You are forgiven. That's transforming, isn't it? Because what is stopping you then from right now owning up to that sin? Nothing. God knows it already and has taken care of it. You're not keeping it from him. He knows. And what you will find when you own up to it is a God who forgives you, is a God who loves you despite those secrets and all those sins. He loves you and wants to free you from them. That's what you'll find with a God who knows your secrets. That's good news despite the bad. What else? Number two. God knows our scars, our scars. God knows every wound you have. God sees every scar from your past. God sees every bleeding wound you have right at this moment. God knows everyone. He is intimately acquainted with all of our ways, with all your sorrows. What are they? Today, as you sit here, what sorrow is in your heart? What hurt from the past has you sitting here with a bitter heart? What, would, uh, what wound that, that was done to you do you quietly endure in agony every day? Emotional wounds, spiritual wounds, physical wounds, scars from relationships, from failed business ventures, from close family members who betrayed you. The older we get, the more we realize that everyone has scars has been wounded at some time or another. What wound are you carrying around that you would like to be sure that someone knows about? Listen to Psalm 56, verse 8. David writes, Record my misery. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record the New Living Translation gives an alternate reading and says it like this. You keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. A Middle Eastern custom from Bible times was when a soldier went off to battle. He would bring a tear vial, a tear bottle give it to his wife or give it to his mother before he left so that while he was gone, his wife or mother, when they daily grieved his being gone, would collect their tears shed for him so that when he returned, they could hold up the bottle in front of him and show him how precious he is to them. Well, isn't that what this verse in Psalm 56 is getting at? God collects 
every one of our tears. Philip Yancey spoke about that once, that God is a tear eater. A tear eater. He eats our tears. He so intimately knows our sorrows that he tastes the salt of our tears. He eats our tears. Is that transforming for you, beloved? You will never again, ever weep, lament, or cry alone. Listen to that. You will never, ever again cry alone from this moment forward. You know that there is always someone who knows you. You know that there's always someone who cares. Would you say that out loud with me? I know someone knows. I know someone cares. Repeat that, would you? I know someone knows. I know someone cares. I know someone knows. I know someone cares. And that someone, of course, that's a capital S on that someone. That someone is God. I know God knows. I know God cares. Write that down. Do something with it this week. Put it on your fridge. Paste it on the dashboard. I know someone knows. I know someone cares. Beloved, it means you will never, ever Cry alone again. God knows your scars. And finally, number three, God knows our service. God knows our service. Secrets, scars, service, all of it. Every last little help you've ever given, he knows it. You picked up dirty socks and washed them for the last 1,560 weeks. 30 years, and not once did anyone say thanks. You know who saw it? God did. God will thank you. As Protestants, and especially as uh, Protestants singing in the Calvinistic or the Reformed key, it's not something we make a huge deal about, but dear friends, God says we are going to be rewarded for our service, for being servants. Not to win God's favor, not to gain entrance into his new creation. We ourselves could never do that. But simply for being and doing service in thankfulness to God. For God says a reward is coming, and the good news is Jesus made sure of that reward too. When God raised him from the dead to resurrection life, a life that is ours even when we die. God made sure. Well, if that's true, if what a verse like uh, Matthew 6 verse 4 says is true, that our Father who sees what's done in secret will reward us, if that's true, then it's also true that he knows what gets done in secret. He knows every last secret act of service, every unrecognized job we did. He's seen them all in living color. He knows them, and that is transforming, beloved. Because when we know that he knows these acts, if we were feeling in the least bit, tiniest bit slighted by non-recognition, or if we started thinking, well, no one, but no one appreciates anything I do around here. Or even if we started thinking that all these other people in my family or my church or at my job are a bunch of, well, they're, they're ingrates. Well, there is one who sees and knows every last thing you've ever done. 
And he's celebrating already, rejoicing, cheering you on, encouraging you to do more, promising a reward. And he's telling you today, what you are doing is not in vain. Keep up the good work, good and faithful servant, for one day you will hear him say those very words to you when you enter heaven. Well done, good and faithful servant. Our God, you see, knows all. This is the God you're coming to know. Friends, this is the God you will commune with next week at the Lord's table. This is the God you'll meet there. The God who knows all. The God who knows you intimately. Your secrets, your scars, your service, and all your ways. Sitting, standing, lying down, speaking, doing, thinking. He searched you. He knows you. And today, dear friends, let the truth of who God is, an omniscient God, let that truth transform you, revolutionize your life. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for knowing us knowing us so intimately, knowing everything about us, not just our name. We sing about that, that you know our name, but you know everything. Everything we try to hide sometimes, everything we do publicly or privately, everything we think, do, and say, you know us. Thank you for knowing us that way and still for the sake of Jesus, for his glory, sending him to die on the cross for us. Thank you for that. Thank you for knowing us. And we want to know you more and more in this week and in the weeks ahead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.